Welcome to the Hope Community Church Podcast. We're so grateful that you're here with us today. We pray that these messages encourage you, inspire you, and give you hope. Whether you are in your car, at your house, or your job, we hope you enjoy these messages. So I'm excited because I get to share with you guys this morning. (laughs) One other person is excited. Thank you, Chris. So if you wouldn't mind standing with me this morning, can I have my water there, please? Right on my seat. I'm going to need that. Thank you. If you would stand with me, we're getting ready to read God's word here. All right. And if you have your Bibles or your Bible app or whatever you have with you, if you would turn to Luke chapter 19, and we're going to start in verse 1. He entered Jericho. And was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I have given to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Father God, I just pray, Lord, that that hearts would be open to receive, God, what you have for us to hear this morning. Lord God, I put my own agenda aside and I pray that your words would become my words, Lord, and that I would be able to clearly, clearly speak what you want me to say. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. So I just want to take a moment and just kind of, kind of pick this passage apart a little bit. Here we are in Jericho and we find out that there's a man named Zacchaeus that lives there and that he is a chief tax collector. And as a chief tax collector, his job was to collect the taxes, but he didn't just collect the taxes that were due. He also decided to collect more, and that, more, that money that he received in extra went right here in his pockets. And so I can imagine he was disliked, okay? The IRS had nothing on Zacchaeus. I would not want to read his hate mail. I can imagine the amount of people that gave him dirty looks when they walked by him in town. He was not a very popular person, to say the least. And so he finds out that Jesus is coming through. Now, obviously, Zacchaeus had heard of Jesus in the past. Not sure what he knew of him at this point, but obviously he knows that this who this Jesus is and that he's coming through town because he decides, I need to know this person. And he has a 
huge desire to know and see this person named Jesus. And we know this because the passage tells us that he ran ahead. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't make it, um, I don't make it a habit to run everywhere I go. It would probably be good for me if I did, but I don't. So this is telling me if he decided that he's going to take off running to go see this man, Jesus, and find out more about him, there's something inside of Zacchaeus that says, this is somebody that I need to know. This is a connection that I need. And so we find out that Zacchaeus runs ahead, and then not only does he run, but he climbs up a tree. That's definitely not something I do on a daily basis, climbing trees. Because Jesus is going to pass that way, and it tells us that he's, he's a small man. And so this also tells us that Jesus wasn't alone, okay? There was obviously probably a crowd following him because Zacchaeus figured, okay, I'm not going to be able to see him just by standing here. I'm going to have to get up high so that I can see him over the heads of other people that are surrounding him at this point. And so Jesus comes to the place where Zacchaeus is, and he looks up to him, and he tells him to hurry and come down because I must go to your house today. Now, Jesus is telling him to hurry. This keyword hurry and must is saying that there is an urgency. There's an urgency there inside of Jesus that's saying, okay, there is something that I need to communicate to you. I need to communicate it now. It's going to take some time because I want to go to your house and I want to have dinner with you and I want to sit down and I want to be able to share my heart with you and I want to do it now. It needs to be done today. He tells him, hurry and come down here. And then we see how Zacchaeus, okay, before Zacchaeus responds, we see how the crowd responds. And what do they begin to do? They begin to grumble. They're saying, okay, of all people that Jesus could be having dinner with, that Jesus could be visiting their home, it's Zacchaeus. Of all people, this person that is hated by everybody here, this person that's received all the hate mail, the one that is, has ripped us off, has taken our money, has built his huge home out of money that, that we need to feed our children, he's wanting to go and spend the afternoon with him of all people. But then we see how Zacchaeus responds. Zacchaeus says, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. This had to blow them away. He's saying the half of my goods. Now, to me, that's not just saying the money that's in his bank account. If it's his goods, I'm thinking probably all of it he had, his worth. He's taking half of that, and he's giving it to the poor. Now, imagine this is a man that obviously has been living for himself. If he's taking money from the poor and, and everybody that he can, and he's pocketing this money, he's been living for himself. He's been all about himself for all this time. And now all of a sudden... When he finds out that this man, Jesus, wants to come and spend the afternoon with him, there's some kind of transformation inside. And he said, okay, I want to take everything I have, and I'm going to give it to the poor. And then he goes above and beyond that, and he says, okay, anybody that I have defrauded, anybody that I have taken money from, I'm now going to give it back to them, not double, not trouble, but fourfold. I'm going to give it all back and more. This, this was huge. And this is what Jesus responds to him. He says, today salvation has come to this house. Jesus knew the transformation that had suddenly happened inside Zacchaeus' heart. We know that, you know, anybody can say, okay, yeah, I'm going to accept Christ as my Savior. But when you truly have that transformation inside, it means something. And Jesus sensed that. And he said, salvation has come to him today. 
And then this is our key verse. This is our key verse this morning. I want us to get this. That last verse in verse 10 says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And I feel like here he's responding to all of these people that grumbled and said, Who is he? Who, who is this guy that, that he would go to his home I, of all people? And he's saying, my mission here is not for you. My mission here is not for the people that know me and have a relationship. My, I'm here for the people that are lost. And not only am I here for those that are lost, my mission is to seek them out. To seek them out in an urgency to share the love of the Father with them. So I've titled this, this message here is... Um, Hide or seek. Hide or seek is what, what I've titled this because as disciples of Christ, you and I are disciples of Christ because we're followers of Christ. We follow the example that he placed for us. We know that he has called us to seek out those that are lost, to share God's love with them, but we also know that it's our choice. It is our choice that we choose every day if we're going to hide from that calling that God's placed in our life or if we're going to walk in that calling and seek out those that need to hear about his love. So my first point this morning is urgency equals priority. So I'm going to take you guys back. Who here remembers when they were a child playing hide and seek with your friends? Two people. Okay. <laughs> We played a lot of hide-and-seek when I was a kid. And I don't know about you guys, but do you ever, do you remember that whoever was the person that was seeking, they would begin to count. And as they got closer and closer to their final number, whatever that number was, that every, remember, everybody had to agree on the number that, and it would probably change three or four times, depending on where you wanted to hide. Now, this time, you have to count to 20, right, because you knew you wanted to hide somewhere a lot further. So as they would get closer to that final number, the counting would get a lot quicker. Do you guys notice that? So it'd be like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, seventy, nine, twenty. Ready or not, here I come. Right? You guys remember that? Because there was this urgency inside of them. Like, okay, these people are going to hide. But I've got to be quick here. I've got to finish my counting. I've got to find these people that are hiding from me as quickly as I can. Because if I don't, then they're going to get to base, right, before I can tag them out. They had this urgency inside of them. Let's say your boss sends you an email. And inside the subject line is, in all capital letters, it's bolded, urgent. Do we ignore it? Hopefully not, Right? We wouldn't ignore that. So we open it up. We read what's inside of it. And then we take all of our tasks that we've planned out for the day, and what do we do with those? We push them to the side, right? Because this has to take priority. Because if my boss thinks that this is urgent and should take priority, then I'd better think that this is urgent and should take priority. Jesus had an urgency to meet with Zacchaeus. He told Zacchaeus, hurry, I have to meet with you today. This is a hurry. I, there is something urgent that I need to share with you. When you and I have an urgency to do something, it takes priority in our life. It begins, it begins to take priority of what's in our mind. Okay, all these other things, I know I have to do this, but this is urgent. 
all right? And it takes, it takes priority in our agendas and everything that we do. Jesus is, is, is telling Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, everyone around here is, is completely judging me right now because I want to spend time with you. And this is how they see you, but I see you a different way. And I urgently need to talk to you today because I want you to know what my father thinks about you, how my father feels about you, how I feel about you. You and I, we encounter people every day that are lost, people that are hurting, many people like Zacchaeus that everybody hates, that nobody wants to be around, that people want to avoid them, and God has placed them in our path, and you and I need to take of that urgency to say, you know what, it's not about what other people think, it's not about how the world sees them, but it's about how God sees them. You and I, we have the answer. We have the answer that God has given us, and we need to catch hold of that urgency to share what God has put into our hearts. And can I say that this isn't always easy? Life is busy. I get that. We have kids, and our kids are playing sports, and we have jobs, and we have hobbies, and we have Facebook. I get it. Life is busy. But when there's an urgency there, all of that just doesn't seem to qu seem quite as important anymore. I'll never forget there was one time that I was out shopping and I was looking through the clothing rack and this lady was standing there and um, she's looking through the same rack of clothing that I was. And I just had this sense inside of me that I'm supposed to say something to her. Now, how many of you know how awkward that is? I mean, I, I don't know this lady. Like, what, what? okay, God, I know what you, you want me to talk to her, but what exactly am I going to say? I know nothing about her. She's going to think I'm weird. I mean, you know, what, you just have all these thoughts just begin flooding your mind about what this person is going to think. So she's pulling out this dress, and she's looking at it, and I said something like, oh, that's really pretty. I really like that one. And so she stops and she looks at me and she's like, you, you really like this? Do you, do you like this one? I said, yeah. I said, I do. And she says, would you wear this? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Do you think it would fit you? And I was like, I think so. And she begins to tell me that she says, you know, actually, this isn't for me. She says, this is for my daughter-in-law. And um, she says, my daughter-in-law, she's about your age, you know, about your height and all of that. She says, and so I guess if you would like it, it would fit you, then it would probably fit her and she'd probably like it too. And that's why I asked you. And, um, but then she goes on to tell me, she says, my son married her about a year ago, but he was recently killed in a car accident. And she said, she's just been dealing with so much, and she's just struggling so, so terribly that I just wanted to do something nice for her. And so I just, I just wanted to buy her a dress. I just thought about buying her this dress. And by this time, she's just, she's just bawling, she's boohooing. And so, you know, I just, it was like, I'm so sorry to hear that. You know, this is just such a sweet thing for you to do this for your daughter-in-law. And then I was like, I knew I was supposed to say it. I was like, do you mind if I pray with you? And she just immediately, she's like, absolutely, yes, absolutely, please do. And so I just, I pray with her. And it wasn't anything special or spectacular, but I could tell that it touched her heart. And I say that because it, I left there just feeling like, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I love that God led me to do that. But I'm going to be honest with you, there's many times that I missed the mark. 
There's been so many times that I've been at Walmart or walking through Berkeley Springs or wherever I was at the grocery store, and my agenda and my priority, my urgency was not to tell somebody about Christ. It was not to, to love on them. It was not to, to look out for them, but my focus was on myself. And I was, I, there's been so many times I've been in just such a hurry. I've got to get this done, this done, and this done. When I need to look back and say the urgency, I'm just totally missing the mark. The urgency is about sharing the love of God. And what would it have looked like if every day I walk through life with, okay, yes, these tasks need to be done, but the number one priority is who is hurting today? Who is it that God is leading me to today? Who is he wanting me to share his love with today? And the thing is, a lot of times we can become trained to wait for that, that outreach program, and it's so much more than that. We don't have to wait for something to, to be put together and, and all the details to be in place and everybody to, to be with us. And it makes it so much easier. But every day we encounter people that are hurting. And God wants us to catch the urgency to reach out to those people. The things that you and I consider urgent are the things that are going to take priority in our lives. And I want to repeat that again. The things that you and I consider urgent will be the things that take priority. So we can look today and we can say, okay, what are the things that have taken priority in my life here lately? Those are the things that have become urgent. And I feel like we, we, need, to, we need to check that on a regular basis. What are the things that have become a priority in my life? My second point this morning is yes, people are watching. So when my kids were little, we lived in North Carolina for a little, for a short period of time. And I remember an advertisement on the radio over and over again for National Flip-Flop Day. And my kid's up here smiling because she knows where I'm going with this. It was National Flip-Flop Day. And if you went to the smoothie shop and you had on your flip-flops, they're going to hand you a free smoothie. We had four kids. We didn't have a lot of money at the time. We didn't take them to get smoothies a lot. So this was a special occasion for us. So I had my kids all excited. I'm like, hey, guys, dig out those flip-flops, put them on, jump in the car. Mama is taking you to get your free smoothie today. So we pull up to the smoothie shop. We get out, and I'm looking around, and I'm thinking, where is everybody? I mean, they're giving away free smoothies. Maybe we're just here early. Maybe they just opened. So unload the kids. We go inside the smoothie shop. There's this young guy behind the counter. And I walk up to the counter, super confident, super excited to give my kids a smoothie. And I'm like, we're here for our free smoothies. And he's just looking at me. And I'm like, okay. And so I said, maybe he needs a little more. So I said, National Flip-Flop Day, you know. And he's just looking at me. And I'm like, okay, maybe he's new employee. Let me help him out a little bit. I said, so it's all over the newspaper. It's all over the radio. National Flip-Flop Day. We come in with our flip-flops on, and we get handed a free smoothie. So that's what we're here for. I've got all four of my kids here. And he's like, hmm, I don't know anything about that. He says, maybe I need to call my boss. 
poor kid. So he gets his boss on the phone, and he talks to him for a few minutes, and he's, I, I can only imagine what that conversation looked like about this crazy lady. And so he gets off the phone, and he comes back up to the counter, and he says, Ma'am, he says, um, National Flip-Flop Day, free smoothies. He says, that's a tropical smoothie. This is Smoothie King. I'm like, oh, my goodness. By this time, my kids are turning three shades of red. I'm embarrassed. The poor kid is thinking this woman is out of her mind. He says, but my boss says that since you're here, we're going to give you guys a free smoothie. So, yes, people are watching. Sometimes they think we're crazy, and that's okay. We have that fun story, and my kids still at times will shoot me a text about National Flip-Flop Day, a tropical smoothie, and we all laugh about it. The truth is that some people are just easy to love on. Like the elderly lady at the grocery store that's struggling to get her packages in her car. It can be so easy to walk up, ma'am, can I help you and help her load her stuff up? Or the cute little kid that comes ringing our doorbell every single year selling his chocolate candy bars for a sports team. And you're like, he's just so cute and you just give him extra money just because he's cute, you know? These people can be easy to love on. But then there's the guy that we walk past when we're in town. And he's got 35 piercings on his face. And he's got a head-to-toe tattoo. All of his hair shaved is set right here, and it's blue and green and aquamarine. And he's dressed in all black, and he's got chains all over him. And sometimes it can be a little more difficult. And then we're afraid to make eye contact. Anybody ever been in that situation? Like, if I make eye contact with this person, they may say something. Or if I say hello to them, they might just talk back. And I certainly wouldn't want to be seen standing here talking to this person because these people that I know might walk by and see me associating with this person and then question, why is she talking to this person? What is going on here? Why is she having dinner with this person? Why is she inviting this person to her home? And then we're reminded that God tells us in his word that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him, whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And if they are important enough for Jesus to die for, shouldn't they be important enough for me to risk my reputation for? We asked my husband to come up here and help me out with something for a little bit. I thought about when I, I was putting this together, I had a, a quick picture of Jonah. You guys remember Jonah? When God sent him to, to Nineveh, and his first, his first response or his first thought was out of fear, right? I, he was scared of these people. How many times... Have we just known that we're supposed to share God's love with somebody? We're supposed to speak to them. We're supposed to help them with something. We're supposed to just give them a smile. And then this fear sets in. What are they going to think? What is this person going to think? And they allow fear to hold them back. And then his second response was, these people aren't even worth it. Just kill them all. I hate to say that I've probably, I haven't thought that God should kill somebody but in my own actions, because actions speak louder than words, 
when I walk by somebody judgmentally, what is that communicating to those around me? What is that communicating to them? And so I've got Chris up here for just a minute. Can I have you step back just a little bit for me? So I'm trying to do this with one hand here. And so it can be very easy when we walk by people or we're around people to begin to place labels on them. That person, they're just a, somebody who's stuck on drugs. This person is just hopeless. Then we see some people and we're thinking, okay, that person's just, just plain evil. Or we might say, you know what, this person is an alcoholic. Or maybe, maybe this person is an adulterer. And begin to place these, these labels on them. And so this is how we see this person. We don't see this person as somebody's father, as somebody's child, as somebody's grandchild, as somebody's brother or sister or cousin or uncle or best friend. This is what we begin to see. And it's so hard sometimes to see past this, to see this and to see what's inside, to see that they're a person that God loves, that God has called us to minister to. And we forget that this is how God sees them, that God sees them as someone being made in his image, that God sees them as somebody who is his child, his child. God sees them as somebody who he has great, great plans for. They may not be walking in those plans right now, but that doesn't mean that he didn't have a plan for them from the very beginning. And not only that, but Jesus sees them as somebody that was worth dying for. So how would our lives, our day-to-day lives, what we did, what we said, our actions look differently if instead of seeing this back here, this is what we saw? When we see Tattoo Tony walk through town, we see that he was worth dying for, that he is somebody who is made in God's image, that he's somebody that is a child, that is God's child, that he's somebody that God has great and mighty plans for. And instead we say, God, what do you want me to say? What is it today that you want me to do? People are watching. When you and I, when we pick and choose who we are going to love, then we go from making it all about others to making it all about us. Jesus' ministry was never about himself. It was always with you in mind. It was with me in mind. It was with Tattoo Tony in mind and all those other people that may be flooding your mind right now. It was with them in mind. Everything he did was out of love and with them in mind. When I choose to avoid someone because of the way they look, 
or the way they smell, or even because of their life choices that they are making, because their life choices may make me uncomfortable, then I am beginning to walk outside of God's plan that he has for my life. And I don't know about you, but I want to, I want to finish my race saying that I walked in everything that God had me to do. Everything he had planned for me, all of his plans, that I have done what he has asked me to do. And I have walked in all that he had for me. Thank you. So we read in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 31. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. And before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from the other as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty. You gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. I was naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And he will say to them, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go into eternal punishment for the righteous into eternal life. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before God with a lifetime of excuses. I was embarrassed by what people thought. What was that person going to say if I said anything to them? I was just so busy. My kid had soccer. A lifetime of excuses of how things began to creep in, the things of life, the things of this world began to creep in and push away the urgency and the priority that Jesus had modeled for us. There are people that we encounter every day that we consider unlovely, whether it's the way they look, the lifestyle they lead. Yes, we're being watched. We're being watched by people who are, are Christians, people who are watching to see how are you going to handle this situation. And we're also being watched by people who are not. And what is the example that we're going to leave? My last point this morning is hide or seek. It's your choice. You know, verse 10 
Jesus says that he came to seek and to save the lost. God commands his disciples, Jesus commands them in the New Testament to go into the world. Go into all the world and tell them about me. It was a command, but ultimately it's also a choice. It's a choice that you and I can choose every day. Whether we chose it in the past or not, it's something that we can wake up every morning and say, God, today I choose to walk in all that you have for me. Today I choose to be, to be led by you, to be used by you. Today I choose to begin to make changes in Berkeley Springs, West Virginia. That when I go to get my cup of coffee, that, I'm, that you use me to love on somebody. That when I go to Food Line, that you use me to love on somebody. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. His own possession. When I give my life to him, it's no longer about me. It's no longer about my desires. It's no longer about my fears. It's no longer about what I want. I am now his possession. I take on what he wants. I take on what his priorities are. I was bought with a price, the price that he paid for me when he died on the cross for my sins. I now belong to him. What a privilege that is. And then it goes on to say that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And many times, whether we like to admit it or not, we have all been called out of darkness. There has been a time in all of our lives before we decided to, to give our life to Christ and make him our Lord and Savior that we lived in darkness. But the thing is, is now we've, we've been given an answer. And I think many times it can be easy to forget that we have all been lost and that at some point, somewhere, at some time, someone felt that urgency to love on us, to be the example of the love of God, to be, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And look at how it's transformed many of our lives in such an incredible way. What if that person labeled us? What if they labeled us by the sins that we carried? Or what if they were too busy with life? Or what if they were too, too worried about someone else might think if they saw them associating with us? It can be easy to forget that the sin that God has delivered us from and what he continues to deliver us from every day, we can forget that so easy. I shared a little bit of my testimony with the youth a couple weeks ago, and I wanted to share a little bit of it today. So I was raised in a Christian home with Christian parents, and they were the type of parents. I mean, then you had a Sunday night service. You had a Wednesday night service. We were at all of those. There were no sports. You, if, it, if there was church in, that's where we went. You didn't go to sports. You just couldn't do that because church was a priority. I was an only child. This is how I was raised. When I turned, I'd say about 14 years old, I began to spend time with the wrong people. I began to 
make wrong choices. I was influenced by the people that I was around. I walked away from, from church. I walked away from the friends that I had at church. And I was now over here with the wrong people. And I was experimenting with drugs. And I was partying. And I was drinking alcohol. And I was smoking cigarettes. And then at 16 years of age, I sat in front of my parents their only child who they'd raised in church to share with them that I was pregnant. And it broke their hearts. And it broke mine, but not just for my parents, but for the relationship that I had with God, I just felt broken. And honestly, I could have gone two ways because we all have those choices. But it was like there was this wake-up call because I'm going to be honest with you, all that I was doing, and people say that sin is fun for a time and all, it was, but at the same time, there was always something inside of me. There was the Holy Spirit always in my ear saying, I love you. I have a plan for you. I have more for you. I have called you. It was always there. And so when I found out that now I'm expecting a child at 16 years of age, it was a wake-up call for me. And it drew me to, it drove me to repentance. And I'm like, God, I have messed up. And I decided at that very moment, you know what? It's no longer just about me. It's now about me, and it's also about this child that's going to be coming into the world. God, I need you. I, can't, I obviously can't do this on my own. And so making that choice, I found myself back in church. And I found myself, you know, trying to separate myself from from these friends that that I had made relationships with that were all kind of leading me and, and pushing me in that direction. Trying to get back in with my friends over here, trying to do the right things. And I would love to stand here and tell you that everybody in my church was just welcomed me with open arms like the father did the prodigal son, and it didn't happen. In fact, there were very few that did at that point. And it was a struggle. It was a a huge struggle saying, God, I want to follow you, and I want all that you have for my life, and I want to get back on this right path. But the only people right now that want to love me and accept me are the people that I know I don't need to be around. And I share this with you because I feel that in a way, even at times, I've been guilty of that. I've been guilty of of looking at people's, instead of their life, instead of them as somebody that God has plans for, somebody that God loves. I see these labels. This girl, she's, she's pregnant at 16. That girl has ruined her life. That girl is hopeless. I don't want my kids around them. How many times have we all been guilty? And as I was preparing this message and God was speaking to my heart, I'm like, God, if that's been me, which I know it probably has many times, passing judgment on people for for the mistakes that they make, God, forgive me. God, lead me out of love. God, I want to see people not the way that I see them, not the way that the world sees them, not the way that that my Christian friends see them, but the way that you see them. 
I wanna see through their mistakes. I wanna see through their labels. I wanna see the heart, the child, your child, the person that you have great and mighty plans for. And I wanna see them walk in all that you have called them to walk in. And as difficult as we make it, it can be as simple as a smile, as a handshake of how can I help you? If we will just be willing, God will lead us. He can take us in our simplicity and in his greatness, he can take a simple act of love and turn it around and transform somebody from the inside out. Nobody is too lost. Nobody has made too many mistakes. Nobody. So I just want this to be a reminder this morning that we as followers of Christ are called. We're not just called to come in here on a Sunday morning. We're called to go out there and we're called to see, okay, God, who is in my sphere of influence today? Who is it that you want me to talk to? Who is it that you want me to smile at? Who is it that you want me to pray for today? Lead me, guide me. And all it takes is just that obedience to just say hello. Just be obedient to what he's leading you to do. To be, it's okay to make eye contact with this person. It's okay if this person wants to judge you because you are walking in all that I have called you to do. What a privilege it is. So I just wanna pray. I wanna pray over all of us this morning because I know this is a daily struggle that we all deal with. And I want us to all be able to stand face to face before God one day and Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. And then be able to see these people that, that we have ministered to in heaven one day. How amazing is that gonna be? So for somebody to run up to you and say, hey, do you remember that time that you talked to me, that you loved on me when nobody else would accept me? But you put your arm around me and you prayed for me and you spoke into my life and you told me that I had worth. You're the only person I ever heard that from. What a beautiful, amazing opportunity that you and I have to not just change the world, but to start right here in Berkeley Springs, West Virginia. Will you pray with me? Father God, I just thank you, Lord, that in all your greatness, God, in all your greatness, Lord, that you are willing to forgive us. God, that you have chosen us, Lord. You want to use us. As imperfect as we are, you want to use us to change this world, to change this county, to change this, this place that we live, God. What an honor and a privilege that is. Lord Jesus, I pray that each person under the sound of my voice would begin to have an urgency, that a fire would be sparked inside of their hearts, Lord God, to reach the lost, to reach the hurting, to love on people that are unloved, people that we would consider unlovely, God. May we begin to see them, not as the world sees them, not as the labels, not as the sins that they have committed, but we would see them out of your eyes, Lord God, that we would take on your love for them, that we would take on your compassion for them. 
God, that we not only would walk in all that you have, but they would do the same, God. That we would hear clearly your Holy Spirit as you speak through us to these people that are hurting, these people that need to know you, God. I just thank you in advance, God, for the lives that are gonna be transformed, God, through your people that you're gonna begin to use in a mighty way. I thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank you for your time today. We hope you have grown closer to Jesus Christ through this message. If you found it helpful, share the message. Share it with your friends and your family. And with your help, we can take the gospel far and wide.